All right, welcome back to another episode of P-Stop, brought to you by FantasySkiRacer.com and their brand new updated app. Um, Will Brandenburg, who typically is joining me, James Takas Taco, um, is in Panorama this week, uh, getting ready for the season. We lack of snow out west, as everybody knows, since Beaver Creek has been moved to France. Uh, and the U16 program here at SVSEF had to head north to ramp up for the season, but that's okay because when one door closes, another opens. And today, instead of of having a guest, we have a guest host, and, <laughs> and we also have uh, uh, another our, our third party counterpart here, DC Robbins. But DC, before we get to you, Steve Perino, everybody. Oh yeah, I I'm, this is my first time seeing the podcast, uh, and it's Taco and a computer and a little R two D two here, and I like the That's look right. of it. Yeah, it's a very fancy looking thing. Amazon is an incredible place to uh, you know do online commerce, and uh, you know I fully endorse it. Right, bring them onto the show, perhaps a sponsor in the future. Yeah, yeah let's talk okay, about no, that. That was, the, that was a lovely <laughs> shout out to uh, Star Wars, no doubt, in anticipation of Rogue One coming out. So. Uh. Way to channel your inner 12-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> you still got the figurine collection at home, right? Yeah, but I don't want to talk about it right now. Okay. It's it. got some good value, though. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, it. that's more or less for the Kevin Smith uh, podcast, not the uh, he stuff. Um, cool. Guys. Great intro, uh, great intro, Taco. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Okay. Um, last weekend was epic. And both of you guys were there, uh, DC behind the scenes, Steve obviously in front of the camera, and in the yep. sound truck, for that matter. Uh, was that a social media post that I noticed that on? Anyway. That was, yeah. Everyone thinks, you know, like, television's not always that sexy. We are usually in a single wide with the, the fake wood paneling. We've got some pads that they use for, like, moving furniture to sort of dampen the sound. Yep. And you got a couple monitors, and off you go. So no matter where you are, it all looks the same. Yeah. Well, I guess there's comfort in that. Yeah. I mean, you know, when there's that many people screaming and yelling, who cares what the accommodations are, right? Speaking of screaming and yelling, what were the numbers projected at Killington? I think, you know, when I talked to people, they knew they'd sold out the stands and they sold them out in an hour. And then like, all right, we need some more stands. So 1,500 sold out in an hour. They, they built another stand, sold them out. VIP sold out. So right away, you're at 3,000 plus VIP, mm-hmm. and so they're trying to project from that demand and that quick demand, mm-hmm. and I think they were kind of thinking maybe eight to 10,000, and pretty close to doubling that number. And, uh, you know, so it was conservatively estimated at 16,000 on day one, mm-hmm. and as much as you could tell, the vibe in the East was, I mean, you know, pent up passion. Right. As I put it, sure. Um, I don't think they expected that number. Uh, it was overwhelming. Well, it'd been 25 years. Uh, the number of racers in the East is, is is more. It's more condensed, more accessible than anywhere else in the country, for that matter. Um, you also have Quebec and Ontario right above you, who are also passionate about skiing. I know Marie Michelle Gagnon, you mentioned, had a right. She huge, brought her posse. The whole the whole extended family was there. Um, so you know. And every piece of social media from anybody I know who skis back east or raced back east or is anywhere remotely close was posting pictures from being there that day. Right. I mean, but, you know, I also, I can remember when I was at Burke, 
Yeah. This would have been 1984, and I went to Waterville yeah. for the World Cup. I think that was the year. Um, to watch. And, you know, there was no, there was a couple thousand people. So while, yes, the concentration of skiers is largely in Vermont, I think they say more than half of the skiers in the country come from New England. Mm-hmm. And so while you do have the numbers, there was something more at play there. I don't right. know if it was that starvation for an event, I, the Schifrin factor, uh, maybe the social media, but, you know, no World Cup race in the East preceding this one came even close to what Killington did. And I, I don't know what well, the answer to that was, but it was awesome. Well, media has improved well, Pino, a bit. Pino, let me just jump in there too. I mean, we had the Vera parade before the first uh, race, you know, on, on Saturday there were a thousand kids right. in the parade. Not right. not of driving age, so the parents had to bring them. Yeah. So that's, you're right, bam, you're, you're looking at 2,000 people. Incredible. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, DC, from your perspective behind the scenes, what was it like for you? Was it total chaos or, uh, were you guys able to keep your cool? Um, no, it was pretty, pretty good. The, uh, we had a little, some technical difficulties, uh, (laughs) connecting to Europe, uh, in the beginning. Uh, that was the cause for the delay, which, uh, in America, nobody knew the wiser except for the entire state of Vermont that was in the finish area. Um, but um, other than that, no, I mean, it was um, it was pretty smooth for us. I mean, you know, as Pino will attest, uh, you know, there's there's no rooting when you're doing the TV show, except for the fact that we're all actually Americans and there's a ton of rooting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're, we're pulling hard for, for, you know, our friends, but also we want it to be a good show. And uh, so it went, I mean, it couldn't have gotten any better on Sunday, to be quite honest. I mean, um Saturday, um, it was it was all good. We had the racers in the right spots, and you know Michaela in the hunt, and um, you know I mean good tons TV. of pictures. The weather the weather was a little tricky on that day. Um, you know, obviously some of the fog and a little bit of rain and stuff like that, but all good on the on the TV behind the scenes side. Just had to deal with an annoying you know analyst. I mean, <laughs> I mean My the analyst role. <laughs> yeah, that's such a yeah. cop out. <laughs> Let me. Add, the the one thing that really stood out to me watching Killington that I really appreciated was I felt like because of the just being a a such a New England venue where you know that trail had a lot of different pieces of terrain to it that weren't quite as obvious there um, aren't aren't typically quite as obvious from a television standpoint and the one thing that I got from watching it was that I thought that ca- those camera angles and um, what you were able to see was really raw. I thought it was really cool to be able to actually notice the differences between um, the, each one of the girls out there. You know, um, you, you know typically I feel like when, when it's really polished Euro style, what happens is you, you miss a lot of the actual elements that are going on inside um, the course where the girls skiing, uh, and, or men for that matter too. But for the this, women, the women, right? The women. Well, well this, 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 this calls them still ladies. Calls them ladies. <laughs> so I, I don't really know, and I don't necessarily feel tied down to uh, anything right now. But yes, the women. Um, I just thought that was pretty obvious. And you know, when Michaela talked about her her GS skiing that day, 
yeah, it was pretty obvious to me that it, her transitions were very vertical because it was very plain and clear to see that. Yeah. And how about that, too? When, you know, when Michaela does an interview like that and she gets right into what is happening. And right. so and she doesn't bog it down with being an overly technical, but she says, you know what? It wasn't it wasn't altogether. But it was cool to be able to, you know, sometimes when the venue, to, to your point, is so perfect. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot sometimes. You, I mean, you have to be such an aficionado to see the differences between skiers. But when it gets a little as I called it, chippy, mm-hmm. you know, a little Eastern style and foggy. It really just, it's, it kind of s- separates the wheat from the chaff. And the way it was shot, yeah, I mean, you could see a lot of that, you know, the, the texture of the course and just how challenging it was. And, and to me, um, the fact that it wasn't perfect, and some people thought I was being disparaging to the East. I mean, the fact that they, they pulled that off right. at all. Absolutely a modern miracle. I mean, it was warm temperatures. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Killington had so much snow, I mean, the, the work they did was it was stunning. But frankly, a whole lot more interesting to watch because it wasn't perfect. And you could right. see that. Yeah, that's the thing about the East Coast is that no, no two turns are going to feel the same. No. You know. Or good. Yeah. <laughs> Does it, well, you mentioned it too. You know, that's the other thing about ski racing. I say it all the time in coaching is it doesn't have to feel good to be good. Yeah. You know, you just have to keep fighting for it. Right. And that's a lesson that I don't think is ever fully learned because you saw, I remember Nina Losip coming down first run of the slalom. I believe it was the slalom mm-hmm. or was it the, no, it was the giant slalom. Because she won the first And she run. went first. She went first and she won and she was clearly disappointed with her run. Right. Clearly disappointed. And yet she won the opening run of GS. And right. So that's a first for her. And then at the end of the day, ended up on second in the podium. Yeah. I mean, okay. Got yeah. A little yeah. bit more than she could have hoped for out right. of that. I, th- I, th- I think so. No reason to wag your head. But again, to your point, it just, it's not always going to feel good. And um, that was a lesson that these, you know, World Cup veterans were, you know, still trying to wrap their head around. You just got to keep charging, 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 even though it doesn't feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think, I think, to, so two things out of that, too, you know, one, one big gold medal to uh, the Killington crew for pulling that off and, you know, rising to the challenge. I mean, we've all, we all grew up in New England to various degrees and to think that there was going to be enough snow for A, there's going to be a World Cup at Killington. I mean, that's crazy to start with. And then, you know, to know that there was enough snow at Thanksgiving to hold one. Um, and then secondly, I think that a lot of the girls, women's, ladies, whatever we want to call them, <laughs> they, t- they underestimated that hill. Um, they, I think a lot of them thought it was going to be kind of easy and they're, it's not quite, um, Ruthie's where it's a little, you know, it's a little more forgiving, but there is pitch kind of the whole way. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the flats aren't really flat and you get a little more speed than you think as you come towards the end and the end certainly isn't flat. I and, uh, learned I, I that think, the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. She, she got caught in that little hole, but I think that. That he thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was. Yeah, I mean, the rumor, I had people asking me when I would talk to people in Europe before the season started. And of course, I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, <laughs> I, if, if I skied Superstar, I certainly don't remember. Right. And it was, the read on it was that it was a slightly more challenging Marabor. And mm-hmm. it was a way more challenging Marabor, certainly the slalom, mm-hmm. and and to a large degree the giant slalom, and I think that was a nice element to the World Cup, which was it was in such an isolated part, you know, at least from the World Cup schedule that nobody really knew, and yeah. so it kind of brought this whole level of interest and intrigue, 
And I thought it was kind of, I don't know, I think some people heard that Schiffer on the way home from Levy got the special treatment, right? And she stopped there on Monday right. and went up on the hill and they stopped the chairlift like every few hundred yards so she could look. Then they jumped, she and Mike Day, her coach, jumped yep. into the cat on the way down. They stopped all the way down so they could actually get a little bit of a lay of the land. But uh, she was really the only one that had any sense of what that was going to be like. And then you show up there, and obviously it's this time of year, so right. you're not going to get a lot of training and a lot of feel for it. So maybe a little head start, but had everyone guessing a little bit. Yeah, no, that was the biggest concern that I had when I looked at, you know, once Killington was announced and how early in the season it was going to be. is like, when are pe- where are people going to train when they show up there? Because, you know, Killington has got a history of being the first New England, uh, a ski area in New England to open up every season. But it's, it's literally just a strip with thousands of people going down it right. you know it's it's a madhouse but so I, I'm looking at this time of year I'm going well where the heck is anybody going to train so I know Sugar luckily they got a little bit of a cold spell um, early on later on uh, Sugar Bush was able to put up some fencing so that they could uh, train over on Mount Nellon uh, but that's still that was only like what maybe a quarter of the field that was able to get there so I don't I mean I'm not really sure where everybody else went I think everyone did it sort of you know, like the Americans do levy they right. just showed up to race. Yeah. So stayed in Europe where there was snow or they were in Colorado. But, you know, I don't know if it was a quarter of the people that went to Sugarbush, but mm-hmm. not many. Um, and, you know, I think it also kind of showed up in the results a little bit. I, I think everyone, Schiffrin included, just early season nerves. And then you throw on top of that the fact that you're not going to totally feel... You know, completely comfortable like you're ready for, but that's still interesting skiing, and it's it fair across the board. I wonder, I wonder if like she's got like for instance, uh, was it last season she was a gate away from sweeping Aspen? Yeah. Okay, and Aspen's a venue that's you know typically on the Noram circuit um, has you know high high level fist racing at the end of the season there. Um, so athletes get to know Aspen through the course of growing up in the U.S., but it's been a while since. Um, you know, Norams, when they come to New England, have been at Stowe lately. Um, it's, do you think that a, a part of her nerves, like if she'd gone to Aspen, it was still U.S. soil, but do you think the nerve factor would have been a little bit different? I do. Yeah. I think 16,000 people that in large part... Expect her to win. Expect her to win. I mean, right. it's not just... They didn't just come to watch Schiffrin. Right. Clearly, everyone was celebrating World Cup skiing there. But the expectation now is that she is going to win. And that wasn't the case in Aspen. I, I think there was that sort of like we're leading into this, you know, Schifrin should dominate slalom. And it had been forever since anyone had won in Aspen. Um, and clearly she was ready for it last year. But as the season progressed, mm-hmm. you know, she, she was injured. And so then the pressure's off because she's doing the unexpected by coming back from injury and starting to win. Right. But then she starts this season, and the expectation is to win. And I think that's new. And I think I don't care how good you are right. at age 21 to be absolutely expected to win. I think that puts her psychologically in a new place where she has to manage that. Well, it, absolutely. And you bring in the factor that Lindsay done, done right now for the foreseeable future. Yeah. That's a long-haul injury. Um, Julia, who knows when her return is. Uh, Ted's returning from injury. Bodie's not coming back till I've heard at least Bangin. Uh, so you know he's of course got his own mess to deal with as well. Uh, so she's really the it girl, it person mm-hmm. yeah. on the whole U.S. side. Yeah, I mean I think there's that, and I think there's just the simple reality, of, particularly in slalom. Yeah, 
where her level is so high that she's expected to win and expected to win by these huge margins, right. which is, you know, it's if you're standing on the start of Killington right. and you've got a course that's a little chewed up, are you going to ski to your limit? I mean, I've never been there, but I always marvel at slalom athletes that can pin it when the conditions are a little bit rough mm-hmm. and the pressure is extremely high. I, I think that's the highest pressure situation that exists in ski racing. And I thought that second run of slalom was as exciting as anything. I mean, you know, especially when you got inside the top 15 there, girls were coming down into first, into first, into first. And, you know, going back to the camera angle and the filming that was going on there, you could really see that, you know, those shippers on another level, geez, those girls aren't far behind. Those girls are good skiers. Yeah. And that, that to me was very apparent. I was really impressed with a lot of the skiing that I saw, especially going inside to that top 15. And then Schiff comes down, does her usual self, and still pulls out the W. Right, right. Like, and, whoa. She, you know, she also didn't put a huge margin in run one. No. You know, with, the, with that advantage, she, she left the door open quote-unquote, if you will. I mean, was it is, is, it, is it ever open? <laughs> right. It was 6,500 in the first run, as I recall. 65, yeah. yeah there's, was, a, there's like three or four inside a second, and then everybody was kind of stacked up. But, I, I think it was actually um, just Zuzalova that was inside a second, and yeah. then everyone else was experiencing the usual margin. Mm-hmm. Um, but let me just put it back to you. You watch her. You've seen her ski a lot. Uh, do you think that was how close to her potential limit do you think her, that skiing was? I wonder how much, I, well, I'm going to say she's probably skiing about 80, 75, 80% in that second run. I think that, you know, between nerves and then the other, the other, the snow conditions for the second run. I mean, you've got 30 racers coming down ahead of her. Luckily, it cleared up the night before, so it was able to firm up the way everybody had hoped it would. Um, the other thing, too, about that trail superstar is there is a lot of fall away on both the left and the right foot. In a lot of funky places, I'm going back to the part where I said, in the east, you know, two turns are the same. Yeah. You're, not, you're getting into a rhythm doesn't really happen. Right. You know, every you're just fighting to make every turn look or feel the same. That's just not the reality. And I think, um, you know, maybe that played into the, the, the picture as well. It's just trying to make it strong. And then, you know, the one thing that I especially got, saw out of U.S. Nationals last year and uh, and we've talked about it all last when season. When Schiffrin came here and won the first run by like a monster, like a, like monster a, amount of time. Measured with a count. I know. And then Kevin Clark goes down and goes, well, she still has low points, so everybody's going to benefit here. I'm like, not when she's ahead by five seconds, dude. In one run. In one run. That's... Uh, <laughs> it's not about... And we were talking about Racy before this, the episode. It's not about how you ski the top half. And we saw the same thing in Levy. Everybody's skiing the top half of every course. Awesome. Mm-hmm. How you how you fl- when it's flatter, a little bit flatter too. Sure, you flatter, steeper, however you want to yeah. look at it. But you know, it's how you ski the last half of the course that really is going to make or break you. And you know, you saw a lot of girls look really awesome, especially in that 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 thirty to fifteen or sixteen spot. They look great up top. Looked like they were getting into some mojo. Okay, feeling good. Then you got into that second, that last break before you're getting into the, mm-hmm. the that last pitch into the finish. And you watch the skis get kind of caught up a little bit. A um, couple of turns right kind of in the meat of the pitch where, you know, they're jamming at the gate a little bit because they're just not keeping up with it. So the uh, I don't, so in the first run, that was particularly true. And yeah. so... I, it was interesting. They, they had a fairly low start for the slalom. Yeah. And so they were up against the minimum. 
Right. And so what happened in that first course set, and we didn't get into this, it was an NBC broadcast and you can't bury it in that kind of detail, but they got to the, the Austrian course setter, Hannes Zulcic, I think, or, or Zulcin. Uh, he got to the bottom and he's like, oh, we're one short. That so was in the first run. First run. So right. rather than go up and kind of obviously redo the whole thing, they just kind of moved up the hill a little bit, threw in an extra gate. So you were down at like nine meters. And so if you look at where Schifrin, right, she was kind of with everyone, maybe a tenth or two. Actually, she was down on some skiers coming into the pitch. Mm-hmm. But it was that last section where it was completely stacked up. Right. Where, you, you know, that, that doesn't startle her. She's just so balanced. She's so quick. She's so ready for anything that she just didn't make any mistakes. Mm-hmm. And you know, some women she beat by inside that 10 seconds or 20 seconds maybe. She put a second into them yeah, right away. And so that was what was happening. And it was, it was, so there was less of that kind of falling apart in the second run. But the mm-hmm. first run, boy, that was apparent. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I want to bring that. Go ahead, One DC. more thing for you, Pino. Um, well, first off, Wendy Holder was 9400s in run one, so... Ah, oh, you that. got me. You got me. So, hey, you know, that's why we keep stats. Um, <laughs> then the other thing, where do you think the most pressure for Michaela is now? Is it from her? I mean, she's sort of elevating the game, whereas, you know, before she's figuring it out, now she expects to win, now everybody expects her to win, now there's 16,000 kids or people, you know, down there. She's at home in Vermont. Is that more pressure, you know, on Sunday, her Nana's there, who's never seen her in a World Cup, who's a you know, 95-year-old grandmother. Um, where does that, that lie, do you think? you think there's more pressure given the, the stage? Whereas in Aspen, you know, it's just like, okay, well, she's the best and she's an American, so we want her to win. I mean, I think you have a confluence of things where you have all those people. I don't think you have to be a genius to sort of, you know, look around, 16,000 people, you know, everyone's been waiting to see this moment in the United States. But I think you throw on top of that, and, and kind of what Taka was saying, you know, we're sort of isolated. You, you don't really have a chance to really feel ready for that race. It's at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. So I think I think everyone's a little nervous. Right. And I think when you're expected to win, that kind of throws a little gas on the fire. Um, but I think, you know, Schiffen might find her stride, as like everyone else, as the season goes on. Um so it's special. I think she would have felt a lot more comfortable racing. We'll see. Squaw Valley. Yeah. Right. Squaw we'll Valley might there. be a great example because I think Squaw Valley is going to show up and it's going to be a huge crowd. They're going to expect her to win. Yeah. And I'll just and throw it out there. You know, like too, I'll throw it out there. Maybe she wins that slalom by two and a half seconds. I really do believe from everything I've heard, you know, when she trains with people, I said it on the air, when she trained with Kip Gosser. Mm-hmm. 27 seconds long she was beating her by two and a half seconds a run now Kirkos is one of you know she's not right now at the top top she's pretty close yeah so uh, when you're talking about if you, you extrapolate that out we're talking about five seconds a run mm-hmm. right yeah totally so that's that and I hear that a lot and everybody inside racing knows that's the pace she's bringing on training so I don't think it would be out of the you know uh, out of the range of things to happen. Maybe she breaks her own record of what it was three plus seconds victory in slalom. Well, let's see if let me, let, Go ahead, DC. No, so let me pose another question to you, too. That's 10 straight slaloms. Is she, does that streak continue till squaw? I mean, anything can happen. That's ski racing. We know that the old adage, but like, 
when does that number stop? Hmm. You know, it's not anytime soon. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, right? I'm with I mean, you. You know, I sort of, you know, I look at there's certain people that are a safe bet. Ligeti at the top of his GS game, just like no one could ski as fast as him. It was just like the safest bet in skiing. Right. It's harder to be that consistent, I think. In in you know what Vaughn does in speed, I think is kind of phenomenal because mm. speed has more elements in it that can sort of are a little out of your control. Right. Um, but Solomon GS, if you're at the top of your game, you know, like the Stenmarks, the Tombas, you have to get Franny in your Schneider. own way. She get Vrainy Schneider, right? The only thing right now that can get in Schiffen's way is Schiffen. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, there's no way inside of this year anyone is going to be able to match her pace. I mean, make no mistake, though, too, like uh, watching that race, like Wendy Holder and, and the Italian women and uh, Zuzalova and Blova, they, they brought it. Yeah. They brought it. Yeah. You could, and going back to that camera angle and whatnot, you could see that they were bringing it, everything that they had. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, to speak to your point, Pino, is, you know, you talk about Michaela and training, and the thing is, is you know, at training, you 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 are consistently trying to go 100, 110 percent, pushing that envelope and your capability as hard as you can, so that when you get to race day, that conservative that conservative vibe is that that might be 80 percent, 75 percent of what you're capable of is still going to be at a very high level. So that's something for any junior athlete really listening is that you want to push yourself as hard as you can in training so that you know you're raising your comfort zone. You're raising that level of ability so that when you take a step back to make a nice clean run on race day to lock it down, that that gas pedal is a higher level than maybe what it was a year ago or right. whatever. It's that training at that, that high level that's going to do it. It is the, you know, Mark Giardelli once said, I can only expect a race to, as fast as I train. It's sort of that, you know, the people that sort of are going to imagine they're going to ski beyond the level they've reached in training. Right. No, not going to happen. Um, I want to move on to Val and Lake Louise in just a second. But the, the, the last thing I want to clear up, and I have a little bit of confusion on this, is that Michaela's club is Vale. But the whole weekend was based around hometown girl in Vermont. So what is it? I know she went to Burke. She was there for a few years. But as far as I know, she grew up in... Oh, no, she was in Hanover for a little yeah, while. Yeah, she, she, she was, she was, she was, I think she was born in Vail, lived in New Hampshire. I mean, so I would say it's a fairly even split between living in the East right. and living in Vail. Okay. She's, she is a woman of many homes. Well, as as we all are and here in, in ski racing, yeah, you especially, right? Yeah, um, you know, or, uh, Taco, I would never call you a woman of many homes, but <laughs> um, if you want, if you need a home in the Sun Valley area, Keller Williams has some specials for you that are James <laughs> to talk to you about, including Bruce Willis's abode. If you're willing to step up the game a little bit, seven bedrooms, six point five million. That sounds pretty appealing to anybody, but it's you know it's it's. Truth be known, it's closer to Haley, so you're further from the ski area as some other uh, investment properties around here. Uh, but that's, that's let's, I digress. Um, no, you know, I would drop the phone number and then we'll move on. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, the website. <laughs> Not Bruce Willis's, but yours. Uh, JamesTalkis.kw.com. <laughs> yes. Very, very easy place to get in touch with moi. Onward. Onward. Um, I suppose that could be the sponsorship of our next round of uh, conversation here. Uh, Val Dezere, three re- weekends in a row of World Cup racing. Wouldn't you love to just be a part of that race crew? <laughs> <laughs> that uh, well, you know, once you get it dialed in, hopefully it takes care of itself, and Mother Nature is on your side. But yeah, you know, again, it, it is this time of year to be on a race crew means very little sleep for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, yeah, and it's already the days are pretty short to begin with. Yeah, I mean, you're in the dark a lot. Oh, it's a lot of yeah. Hey, do you know if the men's Speed races coming up this weekend are going to be on the same venues as the women's because I know they have a couple of yes. different tracks. That, so they yeah, are, yeah, yeah. That, it, economically, that makes sense. Absolutely, and you know the the Fasta del Var is right. That's just like you got to hand pack it on the wall. It's so vertical, right? right. That requires a lot more snow. So yeah, you got to double up on the venue that they were already working on. Um, I have to believe that with with um, you know Nyman's seasons the last couple of years, um, he's he's. He's much like a nice Pinot, you know. With age, it gets better. And uh, <laughs> so, I'm not talking about my skiing. I know so, that. But you know, like you know, he had a slow start to the season last year, and then, um, then you know, obviously, was it four, four or five podiums in a row at the last, the last four or five yeah. races of the year? American record. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, I know that uh, hopefully he listens to this podcast next week when, when it's in the bag, but. Um, what are we seeing from the men's side in those speed races? Do you think? I feel like I got to go online and look again at those uh, those results. You know, the uh, the first training run, the first one was canceled, so I guess this being the second is actually the first one. Yeah. Um, yeah. First first race of the year. When you're talking about a venue that I think Nyman's raced this venue, but it this venue hasn't been raced by the men since. I want to say 2007. Right. So it's really, you know, first race of the year, always sort of an unknown. You could always bank on the Norwegians being good up in Lake Louise. And, right. right. Everyone's got the skis picked out. They kind of know we're, we're, we're in much more uncharted territory. I mean, Lake Louise is a great place to start the speed season because it's a gliders track. You're kind of easing into the intensity of the World Cup season with something that doesn't quite challenge you on the same level as... Uh, Beaver Creek's, you know, obviously a really fun, challenging race, but more fun for them than it is challenging. Um, and you've got a night, you're setting yourself up really nicely uh, before you get to Europe. And, you know, the Bangans, the Kitzbühels, the Bormios, well, we haven't said Bormio in a while. Yeah. But, you know, they start getting in your face. Yeah. But now you're starting right off the bag, but, the speed season, in your face. Well, no, this this is not, this is not Fast Belvoir. Like, okay. it, it is... They're almost like bookends of difficulty. Okay. So the the old school one, to put it in perspective, I was able to finish it. <laughs> um, it it's just it's a much it's a much, it's on par with Lake Louise. Okay. It's got a little more action to it. What will make it challenging? And I haven't heard any reports back, but it, it's dark as December. Right? Yeah. And they've got yeah. you know, <clears throat> a lot of those elements. You're gonna have zero sun. You're you know the first fifteen seconds. Right, full sun, your pupils right. are down to pinheads, and then boom, you go through the tower turn, and it's dark for the next minute. Well, cla- is it, I have to assume it's nor- a classic uh, Europe, north facing, yeah, yeah totally. out, of, out of the light. Um, yeah. Lenses are obviously going to be a pretty big factor in it. Yeah. Um, but 
not to bring the conversation back to Killington, but I mean, Killington gets goes off weekend of Thanksgiving. Beaver Creek right. doesn't do it. I mean, that's saying that's pretty. That's a pretty powerful message to the country. Uh, if if you don't know any better, right? Um, but well, it, it turns out that John Denver was right. The Rockies were pretty rocky. <laughs> <laughs> we just needed some snow, right? This time around, no question. They showed some horsepower. The 140 <laughs> gun salute to winner. Uh, it was a couple of numbers I heard. So then they put right what they said was the equivalent of 42 feet of snow on a football field. That's how much. That was before they blew for another week. Right. And then the snow fell on top of that. So the course crew, according to someone that was on the course crew that went to MIT or something like that, they said the course crew moved a quarter of a million cubic feet of snow off the course. (laughs) So you worked like hell to get it on the course, and then you got to get it off the course. Yes! Nothing but magic from Killington, that's for sure. Before we jump back to Valdez, let's wrap this part up too. Uh, we talked about it a little bit before the pod. What what does this mean going forward, though? Obviously, you know, um, Aspen, like an athlete that's injured, you know, you don't lose your starting spot. Aspen didn't get injured; they're hosting finals, so you know, Aspen didn't lose the race. But what does what does this mean going forward for getting another one back in the East? Well, the, what I've heard is that people, are, the, the fists and the athletes were very thrilled with what, what happened out, over there. Um, and I know that uh, there has been a, a, a big push, I think, from everybody to get more going in North America. So uh, I think in the East, you know, you don't have as many available venues as the West. But that does, I mean, they, they do have spots that can fill it. I mean, they had Norian finals at Waterville. Waterville is still a great venue to host Tech mm-hmm. World Cup. Um, you know, Stowe's hosting Norams. I don't know if it's World Cup caliber for them yet. Um, but, you know, there's still places where the venues are, are what they were. And with the density out there, I mean, it's easy for people to hop in the car from Boston and head up all the way up to you know, Killington or Waterville or Sugarloaf or any of those venues. Right. I mean, you've got what? I think they say 90 million people within a few hours of that venue. Right. You know, I think the reality is that the North American um, spot on the calendar is going to be early season. Mm-hmm. So when right. it's the schedule. Right. 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 And so, you know, if you're if the races have gone back to your coming back to the U.S. for a single race, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. It makes this sense this year in Squaw Valley is because they're coming they, back from Korea. Exactly. Yeah. And so this is that was like a natural progression. Just keep right. the plane hopping. Yeah. Um, but it's whoever, I, you know, I'm not in charge of the schedule. And I think when they the Killington organization was saying, we'll let you know on Monday kind of what the future looks like. You know, it was a huge undertaking for them. They knocked it out of the park. Um, But I think if you brought it back every single year to the East, you wouldn't, uh, you know, it it takes a certain amount of starvation to want to like, you know, eat it up the way they did. Right. And so if you start to move it around, I think you actually get, more people because they're so excited because we miss it. Right. But if you give it to a venue over and over and over and over and over, um, then I think you, you sort of build in some apathy. Right. Because, I mean, there's years where Beaver Creek is, you know, got huge 10,000 plus and there's years where there's a few thousand. 
Right, yeah. Beaver Creek has done an amazing job. And, you know, it's, again, uh, when it comes to men's speed, right, people want to gather around the downhill. Right. You know, and so that, there's a big there's a big draw right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Aspen... Well, it, it's, it's helped that we've been good, too. You know, we've, and, you know, we don't say we in TV, but, you know, we, we've right. been good. Right. So there's legitimate hopes every single day of that weekend yeah, you know, and certainly with Ted, the doesn't last doesn't hurt five, that Ted years. can't lose that yeah. GS, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. well, at least his, 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 at least his uh, recent history has shown. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's. Uh, I just want to take a shot at uh, Lake Louise here. Obviously, I think um, you know SVSEF is up in Pano right now, getting early season training in. Um, the, Shout out the, to Willie B. Willie B. The Canadian Rockies looking good. I was a little surprised that they weren't going to pull off Lake Louise for the men, but. Um, Nonetheless, uh, venue is going to be good to go for the ladies as well. Um, you know, we saw the end of last season or, or parts of last season, the last few years of what that field looks like without Vaughn. Um, you know, do we have any insight or any thoughts on, on what's going on up in Lake Louise? You know, it's it's a it's a tougher it's a tough read again. It's the beginning of the season. It's speed. Um, I think when you when you hear rumors about how people are skiing in slalom and GS, those tend to translate mm-hmm. in the opening tech races of the year, whereas speed, again, you know, it's why it requires so much experience. You know, training very rarely replicates what's happening at the venue, so it, I find that so much harder to read. i got to look at the training runs and see what's happening there. I would say that Lara Goot yeah. seems just... she's stronger she's bigger i think she's never had weight on her side and she's packed on a little bit more muscle and and she just obviously just the way she was skiing that gs mm-hmm. in killington I, I mean there's a lot of you know if i had to find some money to guess and i, I am guessing i would put money on her yeah i think last year was a definitely a propelling season for her where the door opened and she took full advantage of it i don't think she was on the top of her game for every single race but overall she was for sure yeah um and being as independent as she is with her training regime and um who and where she can train um you know she spends a lot of time skiing speed with you know norwegian men yeah german men she's she's not just hanging out with her peer group she's hanging out with the best in general right so yeah I'd have to give a, a pretty big shot I'd have to believe that you're absolutely right with that thought process yeah and and you or, know do you go ahead do you see number one in, in FSR this weekend right I come mean, again she's she's definitely our top pick for the downhill in fantasy ski racer right well I mean, when we get there picked, we'll I, get I, there I picked her last week yeah. for this weekend so you already you already put it you already put in your uh, your picks DC. I, I'm I'm sick of missing these these races because I'm too excited to do the TV show that I realized I didn't get my lineup in on Saturday, so I had to put it in early for Sunday and then I beat all of you. So <laughs> I so I, 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 said, I forgot this weekend too. You're just reminding me. I forgot. You know, I, I looked at I started looking at the results from 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 uh, this weekend on on mine, and I was like. Oh man, I saw that because you see your points before you see where you stack up. And I looked at it, I went, Oh, geez, that's a pretty good result. I'm like 400 plus points. And then I look at it, I'm like barely inside the top 100 in the country, inside like 300 in the world. And I'm like, Oh, I guess either A, everyone's listening to the podcast, or B, everyone's got this pretty figured out. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, yeah, and, I, I almost went through and just made picks for the entire rest of the season. So if nothing else, I wouldn't miss any lineups. What is this fantasy yeah. basketball? Come on, that's not uh, that's not a bad idea. I completely spaced it out. <laughs> yeah, right. Pino's going to start doing that as soon as we finish the pod. So or he's going to have he's going to have one of his girls do it. That's how Pino's going to do it. Not tell us that that's what happens. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's a good idea. Um, Speed women though, Lake Louise, just you know that's a, again when it comes to everyone not having a lot of time or you know space to train or whatever. I always feel like it's that's a good venue for the U.S. women, right? And not knowing a whole lot about how Loren has been skiing of late, and again, I, it's a hard to get a good read out of Copper, right? But I, I just kind of get the sense that you know she got a taste for it last year. Finally, some consistency. She's got some of those, you know, the, the crashing kind of in her. That she sort of moved through that, yeah, and. I was really impressed with how her skiing improved last year. You know, that doesn't happen a lot when you're in your late 20s. To suddenly, like, technically, you start to improve. And, boy, you put her tenacity, her strength, with a little bit of polish on the technique. And I think she'd be dangerous. Well, with, a, with the exception of a couple of sections at Lake Louise last year, she was in the hunt every day. Yeah. You know, she had come – you know, in the training, she did really well come um, – Come race day, she had uh, a couple of mistakes in some technical areas that you didn't really meet, want those. It seemed like, uh, I don't know, nerves kind of came over her or she just wasn't as confident with her line in those sections and, and, and just a couple of key sections that really just kind of ate up the day for her. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you, you make that line a little bit cleaner or that uh, let those skis run a little bit smoother in those areas and, you know, she's a podium skier. Yeah. You know, so, and, and just like with... Um, I'm not going to say this for the men, uh, although we alluded to Valdezer being a moderately good start to the season. But with the tech, you know, this year starting sold and starting in Levy, you know, you want to count on those veterans because these are the venues that they've seen. These are venues that are uncanny, a little bit um, on the easier side in the World Cup thing. Uh, so bib number is a key factor in there. And you're also talking about um, veterans, the experience level that comes in, plays into that. That is what ultimately gets you going at the beginning of the season was what happens in those early season races. So the fact that the girls are going to a familiar venue, a place that they typically start anyway, I mean, when it comes to picks, I'm going to look at it and go, yeah, I'm going to go goot. But then I'm going to start looking at, all right, well, you know, especially with the new app where you can see the history of it, um, or at least of last year's, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty easy. That's pretty, and there's, and the training list, the training start list is out too. So that's another another thing you can use to gauge that and, and kind of look at, see where you want to put people. You want to give away all your tips if you're going to win this fantasy thing. They <clears throat> want to just shut it down right there. Yeah, well, I haven't talked about it. Closer to the going. chest, a little closer to the chest. Well, I, I still I still got a few more tricks up my sleeve. For instance, looking at the data on fists. I mean, you I mean you got to know where to click the mouse to go find that. Right. And you got to know how to analyze it too. So, you know. Uh, for those of you listening at home, you know, go figure it out and talk to me later. <laughs> <laughs> Taco is a man of the people, though. He's not, he's not afraid to bring the masses with him. A little Pied Piper for, uh, you know, the fantasy folks out there. Yeah, on a lot um, of levels, I've been on the outside for the whole time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two things I want to throw in there, though, real, real quick. You know, obviously, you know, we're saying goop. Uh, obviously, training is training, so take what you will from it. But in the first, uh, first training, Jackie Wiles, fourth. 
Alice ninth, Michaela eighteenth. Alice. Um, I mean top I'm, top ten. I mean, I'm, that, I'm, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm 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 getting it open right now. Why am I not getting yeah, so, it? DC. Uh, the internet down, well, down the I, I think is Taco a has you in a, a lead-proof room so that you can't steal all the secrets and <laughs> go win fantasy ski racer. But the board um, bunker at SBSCF. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I, okay, I'm with you now. We'll just go through this. Yes. So Goot gets uh, Goot has the fast time by a healthy little margin there. That's pretty encouraging for yep. Jackie Wiles, though, huh? Eight tens almost. How great is Jackie Wiles? She's pretty. Uh, yeah. I mean, she's been coming on strong. She's. They. I, I've really appreciated the way the national team has managed her career as well. I think they gave her the opportunities at the right time, and you're seeing the results of that. I think they could have done a, a little bit better job with. Uh, um, with what am I looking at? Here? You're looking at. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I, I took. I. I you took your eyes off the ball, but Schifrin. Eighteen. Eighteen. Two you know that's a she's venue. That she's actually raced that venue before. By Roger, I mean, right? Yeah. Looking at the schedule too, especially going through the Christmas time area, area the, the the women's the way they've got like GS and Super G kind of bunched up together in a couple of different races and uh, uh, combines. I mean, there is a lot of opportunity for her to get a couple more combined starts this year um, and get a couple of speed races because they're tacked on with one or two tech races right. to go with it. So the opportunity for her. Is already there. and she's got a head start with everybody scoring, um, you know. Uh, she had, she's got two wins, a podium, and what's it like three forty out of four hundred possible? Pass. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think she's got three twenty five right now, or three twenty five. Yeah, but then then having Goop not finish on uh, on Saturday. I mean, if she, if Goop was tenth, okay, she still grabs a pretty good chunk of points, but she put up zero. Yeah, yeah. So that's huge. Yeah, as I as I look at this, I think that the challenge for Schifrin, and I think we're going to know a lot by the end of December, is that she is such a. I mean, I, I always say this about Bodie and Darren. Like Darren needed a million miles, mm-hmm. right, to feel prepared, and, mm-hmm. and and he, if he could get them, he would take them, and right. he needed that build up to a race. If he was ready, he was awesome. Right. Whereas Bodie can kind of pull something out of thin air. Right. And that's how his, you know, it's not to say that he wouldn't train. I just like, if you put him in a scenario where everyone kind of went in naked and didn't have much training, you put your money every right. time on Bodie. Right. Right. His ability to improvise and divine mm-hmm. something is exceptional. I think Schifrin is more of a Darren Rawls. Yeah. She needs boom, 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 boom. She needs 100 runs of slalom. Not necessarily to be good, to feel good. Right. And so that will be the challenge, I think, for her as you stack up this schedule through December. And I talked to Mike Day about this, right. and that's the question. Because she's not going to be able to go and get those huge blocks of slalom and GS and whatever to be ready. So I'm very curious to see as she does this whole diet of speed and no ability to really get a lot of tech training, sort of what she's able to produce in the tech events. Well, I think you're gonna, what's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of days where she takes her training run at the speed venue, and then it's, you know, three, four runs of slalom afterwards. Yeah. Um, like Louisa, you know, the question is, where is that going to be? It's in, yeah, for, and for her, for the confidence level, you, you're affirming it by, this is why you take a bunch of free runs in between your race runs to affirm that feeling, to know that that feeling is there, to, 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 to eliminate any doubt, you know. It's almost like, um, go ahead, psych yourself out, and then clean up the head with the amount of every free run that you do, you know. Billy Mayer, two, 10 runs in between every race run, you know, that's what you're doing with this. Right. 
and uh, then that's that's the point you're making with with Darren and and uh, yeah, and who by the way was training Super G and Copper last uh, a couple of weeks back too. I mean, why wouldn't you when you're 43 or whatever? Every yeah, time he runs, just, every time he runs Kitzbühel, I'm just like, wow, God, like off the couch. Right. Well, he had to get in a four running shape. I mean, you know, he's got to at least take a couple splits, right? Right. No, that guy's that guy is the man. Um, okay. Right. Other one other question for that sure. too, not not about Darren, but uh, the new um, the new start order sequence too, right? Uh-huh. Where it's alternated, yeah. the first seed gets the pick and kind of a little more strategies. I know that's a really good where point. These guys, this guys is... are going. This is the first speed event that that's going to come into play. You know, I haven't talked to anybody about this yet. I've had enough conversations with um, Scotty Venus and Steve Nyman and. Uh, uh, I guess just those two have, have been in the touch with the most, but it hasn't been a conversation that anybody's brought up of concern. And, and you know, on a lot of levels, everybody's saying that, or at least Fisk is saying that this is something that athletes wanted. But yeah, you know, I mean, as I, I look at that, uh, you know, it's very, it's sort of a, as I look at it, it's kind of an incremental change to speed, right? You know, for the, uh, you know, but didn't uh, it used to be that way too? No. No. What do you mean? This, it never was it's that way. It's been a lot of things. Yeah, right. It, it used to be, you know, they would train, you know, they would train to see what place they would get. And then the Austrians figured out a little method. They would, like, step out into the middle of the court, you know, to, like, right. take one step forward to say, hey, you're up on the clock. You might want right. to back it down because you want to run a little earlier. Right, right. You know, and everyone's like, oh, they're fudging with the system. That was, like, back in, like, the early, mid-90s, though, right? No, that was, um, oh, God. No, no, that was in, that was. I remember Mickey Volkoffer actually telling me, he's like, "Oh yeah, if I'm ahead on time, my coach steps, you know, out on the red tail, and then I know, and I shut her down." I like, hmm, I think that's not. A, I think that might be against the rules, but you told me that. <laughs> that might not be legal. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, it's calling an audible at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so for the listeners who don't know, you know, you just hit the quick highlight of what the change is. So right, so the top. It, it's the top seven ranked in the world get the odd numbers. Tell me more. Am I doing it backwards? And then the next eight get the even numbers, and they can pick anywhere they want in the order. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I don't think anyone's going to be picking twenty-two anymore. Right. You know, that's right. so. But the idea was to have a longer crescendo, right? Because. Really, you're sitting around, you're waiting for 16 through 22 to go to see who's going to win the race. Right. And, and But 20% of the time, the conditions are funky, so the first seven guys have a shot because someone's dropped out of the top right. 15, right? And then you know they're really good, and you're like, oh, he's got a shot. But now that's going to be spread out, and so you're, you'll be more interested to watch. I don't suppose anyone that's top-ranked is going to be picking one, two, or three. Right. But all those numbers between... Four and I figure we're just going to see more people, the best people between four and 15, 16 is my guess. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it just sort of moves everything forward and, and, and also spreads out. So you don't get the best seven skiers all at once. You're going to get them peppered through that. My guess is three to 16. Right, right. Well, I yeah, a, bunch, a bunch of that went to, it was you know based on TV as Pino and I certainly know, but the breaks the international TV breaks were set up to have those seeds sort of, you know, the TV break happened right before the, that top seed went, and then it happened right after the top seed went. Right. Um, and and in, now in, it's trying to stagger that so you get some heroes kind of all throughout that first 20-odd, 
25 minutes, right. 30 minutes, and then whatever. Audi gets better airtime. <laughs> but, you know, they found in the European <laughs> market anyway, like everyone knows, right? Right. You know, when you talk about the NBC audience, the people don't really know right. that the best seven are going to be 16 through 22. Whereas in Austria, you know, they're going to go to the bar, you know, when number 16 goes, and then they're going to knock off and go back to work, you know, when 22 goes. Right. All right, today's picks are brought to you by Shred Optics and Slytech Protection. Um, DC, you seem like you've got a pretty firm grip on training runs on day one. Don't, uh, don't get too excited here, but what are, you, what are you feeling from the women's side and then shoot us with the men's? Uh, well, I, to nobody's surprise, I think we're all going to take her probably with Lindsay not in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I filled these out uh, a day... Or two ago, I went with uh, I went Byrouter in second, mm-hmm. and um, actually had as my phone resets had Loren in third. I'm feeling podium and Stacy Cook in fifth. Although you know now with getting these uh, getting the results in there, um, it's got you your head spinning a bit. A little bit, yeah. Maybe Jackie pop in there. Um, so now I get a little better feel. Um, but yeah, Goot one, and I'm, I'm I think Loren's gonna going to make good on that the promise she's shown as he said taco last year she's in the hunt every day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what do you got what do you what are you feeling for val desert uh how many norwegian flags can you bring can you get <laughs> five on the podium i don't know how does that work i don't my math isn't good oh, there's a, there's uh, you, you might be thinking about at least three i know i am yeah yeah I, uh Jansrud one and uh, in the Super G, at least, if we know we're starting there. But, yeah, the three of those guys. Um, Super G, I got horse, actually, in fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really seen any, you know, how any other guys are doing. Hertzsch will be in the mix. You know he will. I mean, I had a little back half of the top ten. Um, and then uh, we'll see with the training runs a little bit more. But, as I said, you know, a week or two ago, um, ready for Sven to hammer something. He's going to... I'm ready for him to take that globe. Absolutely. So why not start now? Why not start now? I think he is too. Pino, what are you feeling? It's all guessing. It's all guessing. With the uh, women's speed again, you know, just it's 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 silly this time of year to go, uh, you know, and say, hey, I've got a you know, I've got a gut feeling on someone having not seen yeah, anyone. Have a good feeling. Feeling. You got a good I've got a good feeling. feeling. I got, got a, good, a good feeling. A lot of good feeling. It just makes sense. Um, you know, uh, I am tempted to be a homer here and, uh, you know, Loren. Loren, I, you know, I don't know anything about this first training run. Wasn't in there in the first training run. Jackie Wiles was in there. I think it's going to be, you know, when you're young like that and you have this epic training run, then it's a matter of nerve and holding it together. Right. So I think if Jackie Wiles could be in the top five, that would be a victory for her. I mean, that would be huge. Absolutely. But I think it's a long shot. I think top ten for her. I like I like where you're going. Even though she was poor in the training run, I like where you're going with um, Vyrotter. Uh, she's really just been focusing on speed. And I think the conditions up there are always good. They always speak to her. You know, if it's not too rattly, uh, Vyrotter. So let's put Vyrotter for second. And um, mm, mm. you know what? I'm just gonna go. I, I, wasn't Tipler good last year? You know, sometimes you got a fast pair of skis, 
you bring them back to that same venue, they run. So if they snap into a little bit of cold there, you know, that, that, that Lake Louise cold that like doesn't happen anywhere else on the planet. Right. There's like that one pair of skis that runs across those like that glass. Well, she might not remember, but her text certainly does. Right, right. He's got it in the little black book. So let's just go, you know, just for variety, Kepler. That's very Brandenburg of you. Thanks. I'm feeling I'm going with the goot. I like I like Kuchner in this. And then right now to round out my podium, I'm dancing between McInnes and Loren. You talk about the nerves thing. I'm I'm wondering if McInnes kind of freshly back, the Gator back in the action, if uh, maybe it's a little too good to be true. Um, I definitely will keep her in my top five. Um, but it's going to be a game time decision between Loren and McInnes, uh, especially as his training runs full uh, uh, unfold. And I'm always going to keep my hometown heart where it belongs. Um, for guys, and I'm going to just jump in front of you here, Pino. Uh, in the speed, I like Jansrud and Kilday. I'm going to put Nyman in there because I believe in Steven. Uh, I don't know where Axel's going to fit into that. I know that he's had a kind of a later start to the season, although, you know, speed is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, uh, in the Super G, I'm definitely going to have Ted and Hersher in there. Um, but coming into the GS, I'm going to go Hersher, Ted, Christofferson. Oh, nice. And uh, I know I shot myself in the foot in, with, with Solden by uh, counting out uh, Pinnerel, but um, you know maybe that's a game time thing where I put him in third, but um, I, I got I to give it to Ted, and uh, you know, Marcel is, is undeniable. So um, you know, I, I'd agree with you on that with the pitcher as well. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to, to look like a fool with making my picks, but uh, maybe I'll smarten up one day. Probably not. <laughs> why, why start now? Look what? at Pino. He's made it this far. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yeah. No, no. That's a fair, fair play. Fair play. I'm looking at. I'm looking right now. Uh, I was trying to track. It was a lot. Uh, what you were doing there, Taco, with it was Super G. Super G. That Super G is pretty flat. Yep. And so that's not a Hirscher Super G. It's maybe not even a Ted Super G. But you, um, don't see, you don't see Hirsch getting in the top ten on that one. Oh, top ten! I thought we were talking. You were talking about the podium. Did you yeah, say top ten? No, nah, for the, the podium. You I'm just wanted to name them. You just wanted to name them. Yeah, I will. I, I see them because I think I think I think Spindall's top thirty for sure. <laughs> 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 I, I thought we were picking top three. <laughs> we're just naming people. I, I think you know when it comes to Super G, it's right. It's, uh, it's the Norwegians are so so ready. Uh, I mean, let's just keep it simple. It's yeah. going to be you know. Jansrud killed it. I don't think – I just can't imagine that Svindal, although he is so good at coming back from injury and being ready like immediately. Right. I think this one is, is a little bit more difficult for him, doesn't quite have the miles. So let's uh, – Not scared of a top. Matthias Meyer. Matthias Meyer. Yeah. I mean, and he's also coming back from injury. But that guy is – at some point when he's fully healthy, uh, I mean – a contender for a win all the time. He's Austrian. He's a gamer. Yeah. Speed. Uh, downhill. Let's let's go, you know, Jansrud. I, I'm just such a fan of Jansrud. I'm not sure what happened to him last year. I don't right. have the, talking to the, their coach this, after, or this afternoon, so maybe I'll get some answers. I'm putting him there down for the win. Um, again, gliders, gliders course, Peter Phil, super touch, right? Yeah. He's got the, yeah, got you know, we never talk about, never talk about him. Oh, whoops, won the globe. Yeah, so right. let's put Peter Phil in there for the downhill and let's the put... The Italians were late bloomers last year, though, in some regard. Right, right. Well, the bloom is on. I mean, the bloom he, is on. The bloom is on. <laughs> and I think, um, and uh, so maybe they carried it, maybe they're not like a perennial, maybe just full bloom all the time. Peter Phil, well, like second place, and then Nyman third. Because I think this is, you know, it's 
I think Steven, you know, starts out the year on a glide. It's it's more glidey. Um, I see him coming off the the top with a big lead like he always does, like up in Beaver Creek. Mm. And I think, bam, he, you know, he's in a different place. So let's put him third. GS, I, I think that's a Liggety Hill. I know, like he wasn't, you know, fully on his game. But he but, was thrilled with that fifth. He was thrilled with it. He right. He and and fair, that's fair enough. Yeah. But that that I think he's there's enough time. He's got there's space on that hill. You yeah. know what happens when you put Liggety in Beaver Creek? Yeah. He doesn't have to be on his game to be a total threat. I think Hirscher is not going to love that hill, um, and so I think that uh, Hirscher's third, Pintero's second. Uh, we've got um, Christofferson. Back from his little waylay mm-hmm. uh, with the whole sponsorship kerfuffle, mm-hmm. um, but that's not his hill. Right. So I'm going with you know men's GS. Like there's like four guys to draw from. You know, Pino, we should have you on here doing picks uh, all the time because after I listened to myself, what I just threw out there, and now hearing you, I love what you said. I hate what I said. Oh come on! I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, I'm taking your lead. You I'm didn't consider you, can, you, you didn't consider the full bloom. I didn't consider the full bloom. I wasn't. I wasn't blooming yet. I'm still waiting for snow. I'm in Sun Valley. Hey, what am I gonna do? Just keep in mind. That, I'm, that I'm might just... have to be your team name. You know, we full, got team names. You're gonna have to be full, full bloom. Full bloom. Full bloom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Peace Off, brought to you by FantasySkiRacer.com in partnership with Slide Tech Protection, Shred Optics, and Keller Williams Sun Valley Southern Idaho. Gentlemen, thank you again. This was an epic episode. Um, maybe Will can hit the road more often. Can I, can I actually do this little plug? Um, well, we don't get a chance to talk about Bodie Miller much. Right. But Bodie Miller is going to be the analyst uh, this weekend for the men's races uh, in Val d'Isere. And I have the pleasure of working with him. And really, it's like, it is a total pleasure yeah. just to sit there and listen. And that's a guy who's racing that. That was when he was sort of first discovered in Val d'Isere. So mm-hmm. he'll have some good memories, I think. Racing and commentating this year. They call it double dipping, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can never underestimate Bodie Miller. It's Bodie Miller. Thank you again, everybody. We'll catch you next week. In, uh, in honor of Willie B, everybody have a great ski racing weekend. Ski racing weekend?